cliffcentral.com. It is time for the burning platform on cliffcentral.com, and every Thursday it's me and Pumi Mashiko and you. But this week we're also joined by somebody who we first met as Dr. Mpopalatse, just, uh, you know, from the DA. She was uh, getting ready to fight in the local government elections. And uh, I, I suppose unsurprisingly to some and surprisingly to others, the uh, DA managed to secure the position of mayor. And she is now the mayor of Johannesburg. So welcome, our mayor, because you're our mayor now. I mean, we, you know, I've, I've, I've uh, got a place in, in Johannesburg and Pumi lives there. And uh, there are lots of our listeners who do. So, Paul, very nice to see you. Welcome, mayor of Johannesburg. Thank you so much for having me back, and thank you for having given us a platform. You know, every engagement contributed towards the election outcome. We didn't get the outcome we wanted, but hey, here we are. Well, you're in the chair, but but you you were kind of elected by a um, a more of an anti ANC position, and it's amazing. Even some of the parties who you probably thought wouldn't throw their weight behind you threw their weight behind you. So you've got a bit of a an awkward task ahead because you sort of have to work with a, a number of different constituencies here. Are you feeling quite secure in that mayoral chain at the moment? Well, you. You know, you need to ensure that you have security. And I think that's what has delayed us even appointing a mayoral committee up until this point. We're negotiating coalitions after the fact. So we've been engaging different political parties, trying to see how best we can stabilize council. And we are in the conclusion stages of those negotiations. So soon we'll be making an announcement or the different political parties will be making an announcement and then we'll be able to appoint a mayoral committee. Very good. Uh, Pumi, uh, when we last spoke to Paul, we were talking about her qualifications and her plans, and now she's in the seat. What do you, what do you want to know first and foremost about this, uh, the new mayor of Johannesburg? I know. Uh, congratulations, Paul. It's uh, very exciting to have you in the seat. And, you know, I was, yesterday when I was getting ready for the show, kind of looking back historically, so you're mayor number 11 in Johannesburg after the new dispensation. So since 1994, you're mayor number 11, and you're the fourth mayor this year, after all the interesting shenanigans of this year, and the first female in the position who's not acting, because we had Eunice sure. acting before. And I'm very interested to know what your plan is, going into a world that is incredibly male-dominated. There are lots of... Um, moving parts in the council chamber. And I'm very interested to know how you're going to navigate it. So the first thing we did after my election was we realized that we're in a vulnerable position and it was important to be real and to be that self-aware. As the current minority government and as the Democratic Alliance we immediately that we need to reach out to other parties to stabilize our government. Otherwise, then we are vulnerable and we could be out any minute now. So we started the negotiations. I was two weeks ago. I think I'm two weeks now, three days in the seat, and we've been negotiating since. It's not been easy. Um, we're going to end up with a multi-party government with uh, different political parties, including parties that do not necessarily vote with us. So it's going to be quite interesting. But we did it because we want to focus on residents and on, on stabilizing Joburg. I mean, we had such an unstable 
stable five years from 2016 to 2021. We had four administrations, four executive mayors in one term of office. And if you drive around the city, you see the direct effect of that kind of instability. So we prioritize stability. And I know a lot of people are worried that we're delaying with appointments, but we'd rather delay by two weeks and have stability for five years than rush to govern with a DA-only mayoral committee that will be out in the next year or even a few weeks. So we prioritize stability. And fortunately, I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident to say we're almost at the final stages of those negotiations. So in the next few days, uh, we should be able to have a swearing in ceremony. In terms of how we're going to govern, what the DA particularly did is we put together a coalition agreement, a draft coalition agreement, which we then tabled in fees and asked for the inputs. Those inputs have been given and they're being factored into that agreement. That agreement is, is dealing effectively with a lot of issues starting to govern with other parties that were never had. And that's why there was constant conflict and a lot of gray areas that led to tensions. So a lot of those issues are now being addressed in the coalition agreement. We go in understanding what the rules are. Hello. But the parameters are that all the parties will need to observe and and so on. Um, um, leadership style on my part, where I recognize that we did not get an outright majority of people. We need to be consultative, collaborative, you know, and as inclusive as, as possible in our governing approach. And um, I do know that I need us to form a government and then form a team. We're going to have to do team building with people from different ideological backgrounds, different political parties, but I know it can be done. Um, you know, we've already done an analysis of all the manifestos of the... There's a lot of areas of agreement, so that's a positive that we're mm. starting on. Um, Paul, can I just ask you quickly... Uh, there is so much we agree on, even in terms there are areas of disagreement, however, and the question is Paul? those we um, can, can i can I just ask you quickly because uh, you, it seems you 're breaking up a little bit. Uh, can we prioritize internet uh, for Johannesburg so, <laughs> so we can so we can have, create safe so we can have a better connection to you in the morning <laughs> it'd be great. <laughs> It's about connection. Yeah, yeah I think you're if, breaking up slightly. If, if you don't mind, can you can you just leave the conversation and then come back in, uh, just just or else just refresh okay. refresh the link and let's just see if it improves things because we're we're getting every second or third word, and um, I don't want to misinterpret or have anyone put words in your mouth in between. I do. No, we've had that before. I didn't say that. <laughs> Especially, especially leading up, leading up to elections. I didn't say that. I said this. That was not yeah, in context. You know how it goes. Um, so we'll, we're, while we're getting poor back, we don't want people thinking that we're not allowing them to have their say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've uh, we've already been accused of all kinds of things. So I'm not going to end the year on that note. Um, but let's get the mayor back on. Here she is, and uh, we can add her back into the conversation. Uh, Dr. Mpopalatse, the mayor of Johannesburg. Of course, uh, to remind you, she's also a qualified medical doctor, former PR counselor for the DA in Johannesburg, and a former MMC for Health and Social Development. I saw you raiding uh, nightclubs the other day, which we'll get into in a second. 
uh, Mayor Bob. But I just wanted to start off by saying it must be a difficult job because you've got huge support and you've got massive detractors. Your supporters expect you to be able to do everything overnight, and they think that they think that you have you know, godly powers to be able to make everything happen all at once. And then your detractors are waiting for you to trip up so that they can say how bad you are at your job. And you've only had, you know, the preliminary steps really in becoming mayor. And you've only had time to do those very basic things. And now we're going into the holidays and it's going to be tough to manage the city. Uh, I, I'm wondering if you, if you're concerned at all about having the energy to deal with all of this, because it's a major headache, and it's not the kind of job anybody would take lightly. And I know that you're a strong human being, and I know that you've got, you know, enormous amounts of self-discipline. But it's hard to ma- manage other people's expectations. They expect everything today, right? That's true. Um, I, I think. I think it's important, again, for me to be self-aware in all of this. I mean, Paul? I think we might have to try and Paul without a video. You, you know what? Kinds of different um, Paul, I think we might have to try you without your video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's maybe a good idea. Let's do that. You, you're hanging. I think maybe turn your video off. No, no, your connection's probably okay. Just switch off the video and then we should be Turn all right. Turn your video. There we go. Okay, we can hear you now. Okay. Go ahead. Is that better? Much better. Go ahead. Sounds like it. So, yes. So. Not much better. Oh, not. Mm. Not? No, not really. Not really. Is there, is there okay, another... Let me talk, let me talk connection all right yeah let's, let's try another connection i'm, I'm going to uh, kick you again and if you can come back then we'll we'll try once more all right but you know pums this is something that i think a lot of people forget is that we elect a new government in any place whether you like the government or not and you expect them to immediately make things better right people have no patience anymore because we're used to going to the mcdonald's window getting our fast food straight away we're used to having uh whatever tv show we like on netflix we're not used to we're not used to having to wait for things. And these are, I mean, this is a hard municipality to fix. We've had all kinds well, of people trying. Well, I suppose it's trying. not just the fact that we're used to getting things quickly. Oh, there she is. Um, yeah. I, I think it is also because what we're used to is we're used to uh, politicians making it sound like they will very quickly get mm. to the bottom of the problem mm. and fix it. Yeah. So it's, it's not an unreal expectation. Because that's that's what we have been set up to believe, you know. So when they are campaigning, that's what they sell us. So, so uh, Doctor Paul, I'm going to put you back on. It seems like this is a better connection. I can see it already. Um, you were answering the question about unrealistic expectations and also the kind of energy you're going to need to be able to carry through this job. And I mean, it's not as if you you don't have other responsibilities. You're also a mum. <laughs> you know, you've got things to do. Um, you're not worried about running yeah. out of energy, though. So I was saying that, you know, it's important to be aware of those unrealistic expectations and also be realistic about what you can do and what you cannot do. So in the past two weeks, people have been wanting to pull me in different directions. Number one, I don't have a mayoral committee yet, so I'm alone, which means all the portfolios, all the escalations are coming to me. And I've been doing the best I can to deal with everything. But one of the days, um, someone put out a tweet. I think it was Aldrin St. Pierre that put out a tweet about how dirty the CBD is. And it was almost as if I was expected to just get up and cancel whatever was in my diary mm. and go clean up the CBD. 
And I had to very intentionally just block it out because the CBD has been dirty for a very long time. It's nothing new. Mm. But I did make the call to make arrangements to start going. So I'll be going today, but I didn't go on the day that people were expecting me to go. And I'm not going there just to clean up. And I think that's what people need to understand is that you plan the work before you work the plan. Otherwise, you're all over the place and you're disorganized and you're not going to achieve anything. So you need to get to the bottom of what is the problem? Why is the CBD dirty? Why are we not getting it right? You know, is it, is it lower capacity? Do people not have tools of trade? What's going on? And that's what I'm going to be doing today, doing that sort of investigative work to find out while we clean up, why we're not getting it right and where we need to improve. So, so it's really about being able to block out the noise and focus, 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 focus. That's one thing I've had to learn in the last two weeks more than anything else, because there's a lot of noise on social media. I mean, there's yeah. the Soweto uprising as well around electricity. Yes. And, you know, they, they want to keep me engaged the whole day. But at the same time, I'm trying to find solutions. And so I have to work. I have to be in meetings. I can't be engaging all the time. So, again, it's about maintaining that focus and understanding that at the end of the day, you are wanting to solve the problem and you're working towards it and you will solve it. Maybe not in the manner that people expect. They expect me to be in Soweto on the ground with them. But I'm in the boardroom with, in meetings with City Power, with ESCOM, trying to understand how we're going to solve this problem. So, so it's it's really about maintaining that focus. In terms of energy, um, I, I was thinking actually that I, I think I need to go on supplements. I've never been one to take supplements. Yeah. I've never needed to. But I think now it's time um, I, I started doing that. And I just need to also manage my time well. Having MMCs will assist with the work-life balance because right now I don't have a single day off. Uh, oh but I think God. once there are people, especially with events on weekends, you can then start um, sharing those and I won't have to be everywhere all the time. But when you were last here with us, you know, the, one of the things that you said, and I think a lot of us probably only heard the term for the first time, it's Grey's Anatomy around triage. You said as a medical doctor, your view is that you would want to get to understand uh, what the problems are and then prioritize the answers. And you've been a proposal, you've been in the council chamber before. This is not your first time. So I would view that you already have a view of where the problems are. And I'm very interested to hear where you think you're going to start. Because okay, you, so you've been here, you've been, you've been in the council chamber since 2017, I think. Since 2016. So in 2016, mm -hmm. I was at MC Health and Social Development until 2019. From 2019 to 2021, I was in opposition. And I think this is something also that, that we need to explain to people that when you're in opposition, you don't necessarily have access to all the information that you need because officials and particularly politicians and government will pick and choose what they share with you. And not everything goes through council. So you will have um, sites of council reports, but there's a lot of things that goes on behind the scenes. That, that you may not necessarily have signed off. And so this two weeks, I've been getting a lot of handover reports from governance, group planning, strategy, policy research, um, and, and so on, trying to see what is the true state of the city, not what we were told in council, not what was shared with opposition politicians, mm -hmm. but what was not shared. And that's where you see the real picture. I've also met with group forensic investigations to look at the level of corruption in all the areas where there are leaks in the system so that we can start closing those and recovering lost monies. So there's a lot that I've learned in the last two weeks that I never knew, even though I've been in council. 
Um, and there are things I know. I've I campaigned. I've been on the ground. I know where the gaps are. Basic service delivery is a place to start. Electricity, stabilizing our grid, increasing capacity, you know, free of load shedding, reducing the cost of, of buying electricity, as an example. Those are immediate priorities that all the political parties share. And I've started doing a lot of work on that. I've met with IPPs. We're planning to do a pilot project, um, which should start very soon. Um, in, in key areas, um, um, including Soweto, to start um, dealing with the electricity crisis. There's issues of water outages all across the city as well. That needs investment in infrastructure, in reservoirs, lots of um, pipe replacement that needs to happen, mm-hmm. monitoring of leaks in areas where we have flat rates. So those, again, are obvious things that I'm already aware of because of my time in council, my time on the campaign. But there will be things that I will find out now that I've, I can, I can re- demand reports from officials without anybody um, filtering what I get to see and what I don't get to see. Hmm. Um, you, you did this this thing the other day where you went to go and check on whether or not people had uh, been complying with COVID at nightclubs and things, and you had to raid these places. And I, I thought this was both brave and probably a little unnecessary. It felt like a bit of a publicity stunt, and I'm not attacking you in your first two weeks, I promise. But I think, you know, it's people are going to go underground and do things that they shouldn't have to do. And COVID, as much as it's a problem, doesn't seem to me to be a municipal problem. Uh, what were your, what was your thinking though behind this before, you know, we all start to develop opinions? And what did you think after the raid? What, what was the purpose of it? Did you think you achieved your purpose? And, and is this a priority for you is to make sure that people comply with COVID uh, re- regulations? So let me start by saying that COVID control or the prevention of spread is a responsibility of all tiers of government, including municipalities. Mm-hmm. We have engagements intergovernmentally. Um, we've got a provincial command council that meets weekly where I report to the premier on what I'm doing within the municipality to control the spread of COVID. Mm-hmm. Interventions span across departments, including safety. They're responsible for law enforcement. So the enforcement of regulations falls within the purview of the JMPD, ensuring that people adhere to the regulations as gazetted by uh, our national leadership. Now, so so just to clear that, and also in terms of health, we've got clinics, we're rolling out vaccination, we're testing people for COVID, so we're doing screening, testing, we're doing treating as well, we're doing awareness campaigns, So and, and, and other departments as well, and I could go on about sure. the municipal response to COVID as a whole, but the municipality has a huge role to play. Okay. Now, why, why did we do the raid? One, we've got a new strain, a new variant, researchers are still trying to understand it. It's still early days. We don't know how it's going to unfold, but we also don't want to be irresponsible in the process. So we want to show that people are at least adhering to current regulations in case it turns out to be a really deadly variant of of COVID. That's the first thing. Number two, there's been talks about a looming fourth wave, which was said to to be coming around the beginning of December. Now, how that will escalate or de-escalate depends primarily on our response, Mm -hmm. you know, and our level of responsibility. So raising awareness on the do's and don'ts and ensuring that everyone is complying is important in preventing unnecessary hospitalizations and, and possibly deaths. 
and possibly lockdowns, which we don't want because they they affect the economy. Job, jobs are lost and there's all kinds of effects. So this is a preventative move to make sure we're on the same page about being responsible and reducing the spread and making sure we don't have to destroy the country further. Lockdowns have been catastrophic to South Africans, you know, on different well, levels. I, have, I, I hear you, and I, but I have a, a question. We were just talking about prioritizing. And we know that one of the biggest problems we have in the city of Joburg is crime. Your experience when you were working at Alexander um, Clinic as well is around crime. Is that an effective use of JMPD resource that is already overstretched to actually be raiding clubs rather than be enforcing uh, other bylaws which are more linked to making the city safe? So there's a lot of crimes that we picked up, in fact. So law enforcement, and I know when you talk about crime, you're talking about crime in, in layman's terms or the common crimes that we would think of, hijackings, robbery, murder, you know. Stabbings. Stabbings, yes. It's a criminal act to cram a thousand people in a space with no ventilation, a space that's not fire safe. Should a fire start in that place, you will kill a lot of people. And so a lot of people don't see these things as crime. No, we do. We are asking about, I am asking about prioritizing. So all of these things are crimes. And I'm asking you about prioritizing the more urgent, important versus urgent, and the more urgent crime versus what you believe to be an important crime is what I'm asking about and so prioritizing. If, so if a fire can start in a nightclub with a thousand people where there is no fire safety compliance, that is important and it's urgent. Now you, you deal with it by preventing it. So going out and making sure that there's compliance in our buildings, in our gatherings is a preventative approach to 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 curbing unnecessary so is death. visible policing so is exactly. visible policing so taking all of those uh, hold on so taking all of those officials on a on a club busting raid rather than having a more concerted effort at visible policing in the streets of Joburg during the day when people are being mugged and stabbed Cell phones, I mean, I had an incident yesterday in Rosebank of somebody who had their cell phone taken out of their hand, no visible policing, and yet you took a whole lot of JMPD police to raid nightclubs at night. It's, it's okay. about priorities. And, and so, all I'm asking you is if that is a priority for you over the everyday crime it's that not an, people it's are an, experiencing, it's not why is that a priority? So it's not an either or one. Number two, we didn't take the whole JMPD force. We really took a fraction of the force. Um, there was still a lot of police out there. Um, you know, and we shouldn't have to choose. We shouldn't no. have to pick which crimes we're going to enforce and which ones we're not going to enforce. It's just about how we allocate resources per shift. Everything needs attention. You know, rescuing those people from a potential disaster was just as important I... as having a police on a street corner. Okay, and we I, understand. I understand. I understand. I hear you. I, I understand and I hear you. I would very much like two days ago, we also saw a letter about Charlotte Matrege Hospital from the, I think the COO of Charlotte Matrege. I'd love to know what your view is, because that is an urgent priority in the city. What? Charlotte Matrege burned down a couple of months ago. Mm. What is your plan? 
What is your plan, so Charlotte? It's not a city facility. Um, hospitals are not run by municipalities. They're run by provincial and national governments. Okay. And while, yes, while it is in the city of Johannesburg, I do not have authority over Charlotte Matlake. It reports to the MEC for Health, who is in the Gauteng provincial government, as well as to, to national government, to the Minister of Health, it being an academic hospital. However, I am privy to those, some of the discussions. I mean, I'm aware of what's happening within Charlotte Matlake. Let me tell you what happened in 2016. We used to have what we call district health councils, where each MNC is given responsibility by the MEC for health over all health facilities within their municipality. However, that was stopped when um, MEC Gwen Ramokhopa was the MEC. And the reasoning behind it was that we're transitioning to a different model because of the introduction of NHI. So we were actually never given the powers as MMCs to chair district health councils, and they were in fact never established. I mean, I even submitted names for council members of professors who were willing to work with us. So we don't have authority in those spaces. Charlotte McClake currently is under the MEC for health. So any questions on Charlotte McClake should be directed to the health department, the provincial health department. Yeah, I, that answer as raises something else for me, which when we spoke to when you were here last and you were here with Herman Mashaba, he also mentioned this. So you are talking about the concept of provincial, national and municipal functions. So what exactly then is the stuff that falls in the municipal purview that you can be held accountable for without you then saying it may be in the city but i'm actually not responsible for that so what is it that you are actually responsible for it's a lot i mean geez it's a lot basic service delivery you know delivery of water electricity um housing to some extent but housing really spans across all tiers of government. There's also delegated functions. There's functions that get devolved. So you'll find different permutations per municipality, depending on the capacity of the municipality to run certain services. So with healthcare as an example, because Joburg has demonstrated capacity to run clinics, we've been trusted with 80 clinics, but they're actually the direct competency of the province. They've delegated it to us. We receive a grant from the province or a subsidy annually that we use to render the service on their behalf. But they've not given us 24-hour services we're still negotiating that they've not given us any hospitals hopefully in the future that can happen so it differs from municipality to municipality safety again the jmpd mandate is different from sap's mandate and what we're planning to do in this term is to work in a more integrated fashion with saps so that we strengthen our capacity on the ground to have more feet on the ground but the mandates are different traffic policing on the jmpd side you know and there's bylaw enforcement and other other areas but there's also areas where jmpd cannot enter where only saps can enter so, so, so I, I just want, sorry to interrupt you paul i i kind of understand that there are different I mean, it's it's always interesting to hear exactly where those lines of, of authority come from. But the, let's just talk about the JMPD since you bring it up. I mean, the JMPD have not got a great reputation. There are a lot of people in there. There have been a lot of people in the past who've been in there who are really just not the sort of people who should have authority in their hands because they've really let the people of Joburg down. I'm sure you have yourself. Pumi and I certainly have had interactions with them which are – not necessarily the most pleasant and and we know that we know that this stuff runs deep right and now you've only come into this job now and i'm i'm perfectly understanding of the fact that you're just getting to grips with it which you know i i, I 
<laughs> you have my sympathies. Um, I don't expect you to solve everything at once, as I said just now. But these JMPD guys, how how are you going to tackle the kind of rot that has been there for maybe the last five or six mayors who thought that they could deal with it? And there are people in positions and there are people who are ne- in networks that you have no idea about, like WhatsApp groups that you're not a part of, where there are conversations going on that will try to undermine your authority. Have you got some kind of a, a plan to take control of these guys? Because they say, essentially the, the JMPD are directly your underlings. They're there to, to enforce the, the municipal bylaws. They're there to comply with the regulations that your council makes. Um, are you sure that you can control them? Yes, we we can and we must. You know, we're here because we are to provide leadership on the one hand and we to provide oversight on the other hand and to hold officials to account. In terms of things that are happening that we don't necessarily see, we've got intelligence, we've got systems in place, we've got group forensic investigations and services, we've got um, whistleblowers. Uh, we, we, we're always encouraging people to come forward with information. In the past two weeks alone, I've been receiving a lot of information from all over on all kinds of things. And I've been working very closely with group forensics on all the stuff that comes through. And they've been very responsive and, and we are able to get to the bottom of things. We need to strengthen um, their capacity to investigate and to follow through with cases where there's um, issues of crop, fraud, corruption, maladministration, where money's have been stolen. We need to be able to recover those monies. We need to be able to use information from GFIS to also improve our systems and close all the gaps that allow these leaks to happen. In terms of people wanting to undermine our authority, again, it's very easy to deal with that. People are here on a mandate. Each person has a performance scorecard, and it's either they're delivering or they're not. And we need mm-hmm. to just strengthen performance management and make sure those who are not delivering are perform performance managed out of the system. Are there, so they'll actually are there, be shooting are there ways that put. ordinary citizens can also, you know, communicate their problems, their complaints, their tip-offs, if there's corruption, if they see any kind of maladministration going on, because obviously that'll help you too. You know, your own people might be hangovers from the previous administration or even two or three administrations ago who you can't necessarily trust. And maybe the public are, are, are a better source of information for you sometimes. Definitely, definitely. I mean, some of the, the, the information has been coming through directly to me um, on my cell phone, but we do have, GFIS has a, a whistleblower line. They, they've got a toll-free line. They've got also an email that you can use if you want to report anything. Unfortunately, I don't have it off the hand. I will share it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yes, uh, people <clears throat> can go on the COJ website as well. They will find all that information. Right. Pums? Sorry, I thought you wanted to ask something. No, no, no. So I, I see a lot of people here. I have here. many. I have many. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paul, this, uh, it's not going to get any easier, obviously, as mayor. <laughs> Are you taking a December holiday, by the way? <laughs> no, um, no, not December. this year, unfortunately. Yeah. No, we lost two weeks uh, because of elections. Uh, we lost another two weeks because of the delay in appointing MNCs. I think as soon as I can appoint MNCs, I'd like to do that and get moving with planning for the adjustment budget, the IDP, the tabling of the annual report. So there's a lot of deadlines that we have to meet how's and the, we're already behind. How's the balance sheet looking in the city of Joburg? I mean, how much money is in? How much money do you owe? Um, how much money are you expecting residents to pay? Because we know about the billing problems we've had in the past. What does the balance sheet look like? 
So I'm still gathering that information. Um, in terms of the billing queries, in terms of what people owe, what I know is that there's about 36 billion rands in our debtors book currently that has not been recovered. Sure. I've already made plans to start recovering some of that money. So um, um, you'll be seeing a lot of movement in the next few days. Um, we will mm-hmm. be targeting also big business, big government departments that owe the city money um, and that have gotten away with it because nobody has chased. Uh, and so that money will be coming in. As I said, through group forensics as well, we've looked at the losses through corruption. So, you know, we, we've got the quantities per department, per crime committed, and that money also needs to come back into the system. The city is a 76 billion rand organization. And yeah, that's, 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 that's our capacity. That's what we have to work with. But as we close the leaks, as we bring in what's outside, as we deal with the culture of non-payment, then we will see our balance sheet improving and we'll see the money go a little bit further in, in serving our residents. Yeah, with the finances, if you can't, you know, if, the, if those don't get under control, then nothing else will be. And usually for an incoming administration, that's number one, right? So you have to get your head around that. Definitely, definitely, yes. I think the the question of recouping debt and bringing in rates and taxes is always an interesting one, you know, because I think historically Johannesburg has been one of the richer municipalities. But Johannesburg, you are inheriting a Johannesburg of Kampo that has got a 37% unemployment rate. So there are lots of people who do not have the money they used to have. What is your plan in terms of social assistance for those individuals? We have a lot of homelessness in the city. We have a lot of people in the city who are experiencing city services but cannot afford to pay for city services. What's your view on that? So every municipality has a free basic services offering for residents. In Johannesburg, we call it ESP, the Expanded Social Package where anybody who says I can't afford to live in Joburg has to register to be part of a, a database, the indigent database of the city. And when they register, they need to produce evidence of what they earn or if they don't earn anything. And based on the information that they give us, we then put them in a category. There's three different categories, band one, band two, band three. And based on which band you fall into, then you will, you will benefit. You'll get certain benefits. You will get free basic electricity, free basic water, and there's various other benefits attached to it in the city of Johannesburg, including opportunities such as EPWP opportunities, um, such as jobs that become available, skills development opportunities, etc. So that is going to continue. But we need to grow the economy so that jobs can be created and people can go back into jobs. And part of growing the economy is stabilizing the city and making it an enabling environment for for business to thrive so the economy can grow and jobs can be created. Basic service delivery has a lot to do with that, stabilizing the grid, making sure that businesses can function without load shedding, without unnecessary outages, making sure there's no water outages. You know, those kind of basics. Um, The roads are surfaced, transport runs smoothly, uh, traffic lights are working smoothly. Those kind of basics will make the city functional and will assist the business community to help us grow the economy. When the economy grows, um, jobs are, are created and hopefully a lot of the people that lost jobs can move into jobs. But we also know that in the city, there's a lot of abandoned 
factories, for instance. So we will be driving investment into those areas through investment in incentives so that the business community again helps us to, to revitalize those economies and to create jobs in those areas. And and the good thing is that there's widespread across the city. You've got them in Alexandra, you've got them in Eldorado Park and in other different parts of the city. So you should be able to absorb people looking for jobs in well, those different uh, areas. You, you bring up something interesting here too. And, and again, I, you know, I want us to be reasonable. We don't we certainly want to check in with you in another six months and then in another six months from then and regularly to find out how we're doing on these things. But we don't expect immediate answers. I'm just curious also about this very touchy question about illegal immigrants, about buildings that have been hijacked in the CBD. It's something that all your predecessors have tried to deal with, and none of them, to my mind, have really had any huge success. Uh, Herman Mashaba ended up upsetting many more people than he ended up pleasing with his actions there. And I'm just curious if you have a plan to deal with illegal immigrants, if you have a plan to deal with buildings that have been hijacked by squatters. Uh, the CBD has been in ups and downs. I mean, you mentioned how filthy it is, and that's obviously a problem. But there are also things that have happened in the CBD in the last few years that have been very uplifting and tremendously positive. So I'm curious as to whether or not there are set plans in your head, whether you're still busy figuring out some of those details, or whether there are a bunch of people who you're going to deploy to start making things happen quite soon. So to deal with migration, you need home affairs, you need the city, and uh, to a large extent, to some extent, you also need the diplomatic corps. During my campaign, I had a meeting with the dean of the diplomatic corps, who's the head of all the diplomats in South Africa. Mm -hmm. And the good news is that he's already been working very closely with the minister of home affairs, so that relationship is already in place. And I will then plug into that relationship to form part of the coalition that's going to deal with immigration and particularly illegal immigration. There are different types of undocumented migrants. Um, let me talk about Johannesburg. Um, you've got people who've been trafficked into the city, people who gave their life savings to criminal syndicates promising to take them to Canada, Australia for jobs. And they, they, they were supposed to travel through South Africa. They got abandoned in South Africa without even assent to their name, not knowing anybody and they're stuck here. So those mm -hmm. kinds of people are victims and we should not victimize them further. We should rather assist them and, and see that they helped to go back home. There are um, um, undocumented migrants who came here with, 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 with the aim of improving their lives, but things did not work out and they want to go back. They don't have the money to go back. Those need to be assisted. So the, the Dean of the Diplomatic Corps has already been working with Home Affairs to repatriate as many as they can. But we're going to join forces with them so that we can help as many people that want to go back as possible. There's criminal elements. Um, during the campaign, I visited Rivoli where there's a, an illegal mining camp. There's fuel and gas pipes running underneath um, the, the, the neighboring communities scared that there could be an explosion any time. I'm very worried about such. They set up whole camps. They've got weapons. Our law enforcement agencies are scared to even go in. So there, law enforcement needs to come to the table, particularly SAPs at a national level. So again, we need to co-opt as many agencies into that coalition as possible. It's going to need partnerships to sort it out across all tiers of government and across functional areas, including law enforcement. 
But there is a plan in place already, which I've started working on. I was in charge of migration in the city in 2016 when I was MMC Social Development, so I'm quite familiar with the space. Um, I was limited, though, in what I could do in that time because I was only responsible for that one portfolio. Being in the seat of a mayor will help a lot in implementing a lot of the things that I wanted to implement at the time that I could not. So there will be solutions and, and, and we will be able to address it. But we should not unnecessarily victimize people who are innocent or people who are undocumented because of inefficiencies within the home affairs as well. As you know, mm. during the lockdown, particularly, um, you know, not all services were rendered within the home affairs. So some people's papers would have expired in that time and they would not have been able to renew them. So we need to take it case by case, do profiling and help people according to where they are um, um, without unnecessarily being xenophobic and victimizing people. So... I mean, if you take a deep breath, because it feels almost like you have to at this point, um, <laughs> have, you got, have you got support from your own party? Have you got any friends who you can rely on in the council? Well, that you, you haven't established the council yet, but in the, in the, 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 the what do you call it, the, the, the body that elects, uh, that is the council, right? Not the mayoral council, council, it's the city council. Do you have anybody there you can rely on? I mean, you can't do this stuff on your own. Are you starting to figure out in your head, once all the swearing-in ceremony and all that stuff is done, the kind of people you can rely on? And are you going to be appointing people from various places, even various parties? Are you going to perhaps be appointing people on merit who are not even politicians? Because we don't see that much in South Africa. We certainly don't see it at cabinet level. It's all about like loyal cadres and comrades. And in the DA even, it's usually political appointments. Um, are you going to be making any appointments on merit, especially in places that you understand really well, like health? So... Um, firstly, has this part has the party been supportive? The party has been phenomenal. Um, okay. We had a meeting of all the DA mayors. It was just after our election two weeks ago, and that was a brilliant platform. Firstly, to network. A lot of our mayors have been mayors before. There's a lot of learnings from their areas that can be brought into Johannesburg, for instance. I mean, um, I want to work very closely with the mayor of Stellenbosch around electricity and offsetting load shedding because she's already miles ahead. Uh, and so that was really brilliant. They also did a whole governance workshop with us. We've been given manuals, ready to govern manuals with tools. You know, when you start, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to look at um, to help people, particularly who may not have been in the system before. So they've really been very supportive. But just also in terms of warm bodies, I mean, I've had people in my office. I've had Helen here. Um, I've had people from our governance unit at our federal he head office here. You know, so it, the support has really been incredible, and I'm so grateful, and I know that we're going to do great. In terms of relationships in the council, we are now negotiating a coalition agreement with a number of parties. An announcement will be made soon. The, mm -hmm. the mayoral committee has not been announced because we want it to be inclusive. So those parties will give us people, competent people, who will occupy portfolios that they choose. And in terms of my own people, I've already submitted names and CVs to our federal executive, and they've already been approved. So, yes, the, that ticks the competency box. 
um, uh, I'll make sure that everybody that I pick from the Democratic Alliance is competent and will be able to deliver and has some kind of track record. And I'm really trusting that the other parties will do the same and that we'll have a beautiful team of people from different parties, but very capable, committed and, and, and running behind the same goal. So I think it's going to work out. I'm excited for residents more than anything else, because having this multi-party arrangement means that every resident has somebody in there around decision-making tables that's got their back, if you know what I mean. Because as much as as the DA, we represent everybody, there's always suspicion around our concern around certain constituencies, which often are unfounded. But I'm excited that with with this multi-party arrangement, everybody will have the comfort that you've got enough diversity around the table, even diversity in terms of ideology, to, to have everybody's needs and interests really represented. Mm. So that is a win for our residents, and they did it through their election outcome. You know, there's so much um, hope and excitement in your voice and in your outlook. And I'm wondering if there is anything that you look at that you may find that you, you're taking a double take about or thinking twice about or even any trepidation that you have going into this into this portfolio, into this job with all of the different people that you have to work with and wrangling a an unruly coalition. Is there anything that, that kind of sticks out in your mind as something that yeah, you makes should you really be nervous. wary of? <laughs> yeah. A lot of the concerns are what we are currently dealing with. So the negotiations that are happening now are to iron out those issues. Differences of approach, differences of expectation, you know, between different political parties. And the idea is once every party signs that agreement, a lot of those issues would have been ironed out. And then that makes it easy to work together because we would have, we would be bound by this agreement that would have been signed by different parties. So before the agreement, I was worried about, hey, will I get competent people mm. from the different parties to work with, you know, in the mayoral committee? Are they not corrupt? You know, do they have an expectation yeah. that they're going to be using city funds to raise political funds, for instance. Those conversations are happening right now. We're drawing parameters. That's not going to happen. We're not going to use the recruitment space. We're not going to use the procurement space. This, that, and the other. Once that's done, everybody's signed, I'm happy. We go in, we're one team, we understand the rules of engagement, we're on the same page, and we're focusing on residents. So I think after the coalition agreement is signed, it's going to be smooth sailing. The difficulty is now, it's getting everybody to be on the same page. And luckily, a lot of our, our national leaders are dealing with the bulk of those negotiations. They bring us in as and when. I mean, they, we, they, had, they co-opted the mayors yesterday, but the mayors are also trying to run cities alone without mayoral committees. So we're also trying to strike a balance between being part of the negotiations and keeping things going at the same time. But our national leadership has really been great in, in, in having these engagements. And there's been multiple engagements, many iterations. And yeah, I, I do believe that they're coming to a, a a finalization stage now. I like this. The one comment from CZ, and there are lots of really ridiculous comments going on this morning, I've got to say. <laughs> I love our audience, but my God, there's some stupid comments coming in. This one's good from CZ. I'm cautiously optimistic. The rest I'm not even putting on screen because people are getting emotional. They're, they're prejudging, they're post judging. 
They hate the ANC. They hate the DA. It's just outrageous. I mean, like, I wouldn't worry about it. But you do have to, I mean, you have to have people you can also get honest feedback from. And sometimes the public, as evidenced by the comments, are not the best source of of information. You've got to be really careful about social media, too, because we know how politicians, Donald Trump, being the most obvious example, get caught up in that and they start playing to their own crowd and it starts becoming an echo chamber. And ultimately, there are people who are real haters and people who are real lovers, but those are not the ones you're talking to. You're talking to normal residents who just want to get on with their lives. They want to raise their kids in an environment that's safe. They want to have running water and electricity. They want to have the basic service delivery. And actually, they don't really get too emotional about government as long as it works. That's kind of what you want. You almost want people to stop caring about you at some point, right? Because you're doing the best job possible. It's very important to keep people in the loop. There's a lot of anxiety going around, and understandably, you know, um, our city has been decaying for some time. Sure. Uh, people are no longer enjoying living in Johannesburg. You're not sure when you open a tap of water will come out or not, so when the next shedding uh, will happen. So, so we have to be transparent, and I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that people need to be kept in the loop. I appreciate that they've got their own pressure points, mm-hmm. that certain things are urgent for them. I appreciate that they may not always understand the processes and limitations that we have in terms of legislation and regulations when we, when we start addressing issues. Uh, and so communication is going to be important. One of the things we're going to be investing in is our own broadcast studio in-house, um, I've been working with group comes on that. Fortunately, when I asked them for it, they, they already had such plans. They had certain um, challenges, which I'm helping them unblock. Mm-hmm. The idea behind it is that once a week, we should be able to entertain our residents. You know, we should be able to engage them, allow them to call in, talk to us. We talk to them. We give them feedback on what's going on. I think that's going to be crucial because when you bring people along, then they begin to understand um, what's going on. And and if you have limitations, you need to be able to say, you know, we're working on this. These are the hurdles. This is what we're doing about it. These are the expected turnaround times. So, so bringing people along is going to be so, so important, um, and, and we are investing in that. I think we will be fine. I think Joburg will be fine. Well, I, I hope you're right. I mean, from your mouth to God's ears, because even though even though you're you're, you're between us and God on this chain of command, uh, when it comes to making sure that Joburg works, there are a lot of problems. I mean, I don't I don't love the way Joburg looks at the moment. There are obviously some places that are better than others, but we have so much potential. We always say this. Um, it's it's such a, an amazing city. People come from all over the continent to be in Joburg. It's the heartbeat. It's the economic capital. There's a lot about it that we have going for us. But my God, have we squandered some of that opportunity. And have we ruined parts of our city? I mean, there are places in Joburg you just don't go if you, if you value your life. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it can be deadly, let alone the mess. I mean, it, it's just there are parts of Joburg where you also can't walk because the smell's so bad. Um, and, and I feel sorry for pedestrians who have to walk past there every day to go and find, uh, to eke out an existence, to make some kind of a living mm-hmm. in a place where unemployment is as bad as Pumi just recounted it is. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, I, I think there's a lot that needs to be done and there's a lot that can be done. And, and I wonder, you know, five years is not a long time. Mm-hmm. And if, if there, if you got only one thing right in the next five years. What would that thing be for you? 
I, I, and I don't think it's one thing because everything is so interconnected. Pick one. You know, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you drive a Pick hard one. bug. No, she does drive a hard bug, and that's why Pumi's on the show. <laughs> because for me, the word that sticks out is functionality. Okay. You know, you want Jobab to be functional, but that is a function of many functional areas, including electricity, water, you know. But for me, that's it. You want, because, you know, as Gareth was saying earlier, people come here for opportunity, and then they come here to a dysfunctional city. So so I want to see the city being normal, being functional, you know, and, and people can dream and chase their dreams, and they can actually realize their dreams. So, yes, creating an enabling environment for everyone to thrive. That's what I want to see happen. That is a good answer. It's 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 not a typical politician answer, but it has elements of it in there. I mean, you are, <laughs> this is your thing now. Um, but Paul, we're getting lots and lots of uh, really kind comments and compliments here. I mean, Keenan says, "Our mayoress, we salute you and we wish you all success to make Johannesburg residents proud again." Uh, Cloudy but fine says. Good luck, Mayor and Paul. Your heart is in the right place. Time to roll up the sleeves, pin ears back, and restore some pride and efficiency again. So, you know what? There are lots more people who are probably backing you here than there are detractors. We all want to live in the Johannesburg that you've sold us during the campaign. I think we want to live in a Johannesburg that's anywhere between the ideal, the utopian, and, you know, where we are at the moment, because frankly, we could do a lot better. And you've got a you've got a tough job ahead. Uh, we can only wish you luck. I, you know, if there's anything that we can do, you let us know. Thank you. Yes, and, and we all of us are going to need to be part of the team because it's the little things. It's not littering. It's reporting a leaking pipe. You know, there's something that everyone can do to improve Johannesburg and correct us and criticize us. We need that. Detractors are important. I love them, you know, because they keep me on my toes and, and they also point me to where the challenges and the pressure points are. So it's about not being emotional, not being sensitive, um, mm. take out the information and, and, and run with it. At the end of the day, we all want Joburg to work. We want it to work for all of us and we want to give a legacy to our children and give them a, a, a city they can be proud of and, and, and raise their own children in one day. So we're all part of one team. And yeah, let's do this. I'm just glad that we got to speak to the mayor of the most important city in South Africa um, just before Christmas, because uh, we, we're all thinking about our futures. I hope that we don't have some draconian lockdown on the way, because that's going to ruin a lot of people's Christmas. But happy Christmas to you and Paul, and happy new year. I hope 2022 is going to be your year. Let's make it so. Good luck. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Mpo Palatse, who is the new mayor of Johannesburg and who made time to join us this morning, despite what you can hear is a pretty busy agenda. Sure. You see, Pums, you always say we've got to step up and do this ourselves, right? And I do believe you mean it. But man, when that, I hear... And that is exactly what's amazing about her, is yeah. that she actually did that, right? Is yeah. She stepped up and she found a, she found a platform that resonates with her and resonates with the things that she wants to do and is but Pumi, I, on it. Uh, what I wanted to say is I, I wouldn't touch that with a barge pole with a health inspector. <laughs> and yes, yes. <laughs> Fixing Joburg, are you joking? Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going what. to do it. I, I really, I mean every word I say when I say good luck to her, just like I've said good luck to every other mayor because Johannesburg is a monster. And there are people who've managed cities well all over the world. You know, there, there are great examples of cities that have been run beautifully. I just 
I just know that she's got her work cut out for her and I couldn't do it. I'll tell you right now, I know my own abilities and my own strengths and weaknesses. I would not be able to take this one on. So good luck. And that is uh, the burning platform for this morning. Pumi and I will return next Thursday. I think we've got one more. What's next Thursday's date? I have no idea. No, yes, God. no, two. It's two, more. two. Two oh, more. Two more burning platforms. And then we're out of here. I don't know. I'm just here. We've got great guests lined up for you. We try to get you great guests like uh, the mayor of Johannesburg, and we'll have some more. And Pumi Mashiko will be back again. Pums, uh, we will speak to you on Thursday next week. Very good. Have an excellent day, everybody. Cheers. Happy Thursday.